Welcome to the History Podcast. I am your host, Robert Burns. As always, I am on the search for wisdom. Our next guest brings just that. At 20 years of age, Louisa signed her first management deal to sing. At 23, she realized there was something else calling her. Two years later, she's here on our show to tell the story. All right, welcome guys to the History Podcast. I am your host, Robert Burns, and today I am joined by the one and only Luisa Majoni. Nice to have you on, Lou. What's up, Robert? Thank you for having me. It's such a blessing uh, to do this because I've watched you grow, in a sense, you know, the last two, what, two and a half years that we've known each other? Yeah. And um, it's very seldom that you get to watch up close. You know, usually... By the time someone has done a 180, you know, they're talking about their testimony Mm -hmm. already and, you know, the book is out. But (laughs) it's so cool to watch the story and progress. Thank you so much. So you want to just give us a little bit of like who you are, what you what what you're up to? Totally. So I'll start from the very beginning. Yeah, go there. Okay. All right. Perfect. So I started having panic attacks and anxiety and depression when I was only six years old. And it affected the majority of my childhood and it climaxed in my early adolescence. When I was 12 years old, I developed anorexia for the first time around because my mind was going way too fast for me. And the only way that I could feel a sense of control was by controlling my weight because I couldn't control my mind. Mm. Um, And of course, I say this now after years of therapy, trying to pinpoint what was it that triggered the anorexia? Why did I fall into anorexia, et cetera? So long story short, it was because I couldn't control my thoughts and having a sense of control over my weight and over my food gave me a sort of stability. Of course, when you're 12 years old, thankfully, my parents were always on top of me and my parents were both doctors. So my anorexia didn't go as far as it cost, as I possibly could have, but it did, the seed was planted and it started being a struggle that I lived through my entire adolescence and One big detail I left out was that was one of the things that affected my life the most. On the same hand, I've always been a singer. I've loved to sing ever since I was a baby. My mom always says that I sang before I could talk. And um, music has always been an integral part of my life. And around the same time that I was in the most difficult part of my anorexia, when I was like around 13 years old, about a year in, I met a singing teacher named Gina Maretta. And she completely changed my life. She basically like took me in as her daughter and said, if you want to sing, you have to eat. If you don't eat, then there's no singing. There's no lessons. It was kind of like a trade-off. And music, along with her, saved my life. And now that I look back, being a believer now, she's such an example of how God is with you even before you know him. Mm. He's always with you, always taking care of you and just always guiding the way, even when you haven't surrendered your life completely to him because he's sovereign, you know? That's awesome. So from that era, um, this dream of mine was born to become a singer, a touring worldwide singer, and be able to share how finding my self-worth in music and finding something that I believed in saved my life. And so I wanted to always sing about um, self-love, self-discovery, improvement, just positivity, body positivity. And um, 
my career actually started taking off. I did a Spanish TV show here in Miami. Then I worked with Phil Collins here in Miami for five years. Um, I actually went to Switzerland and did a duet with him in wow. Switzerland. We sang Easy Lover together. Um, I did the same thing in Paris. So I was, my career really was taking off. And that eventually led to me being signed to a record, not sorry, not a record label, but a management company in Los Angeles. And at that point, I was 19 years old, going back and forth between Miami and LA, because I was in college here in Miami at the Frost School of Music, going back and forth with LA. Go Kings! <laughs> <laughs> to the point where um, I ended up moving to Los Angeles. So that was like a highlight in my life, you know? Like, I've always wanted to sing, and now I'm moving to Los Angeles. I'm signed to a major like management company. Like, it's happening, you know? And it did feel that way, and it was that way, except... What happened was that the music industry, at least the way I was in it, I was told that the artist that I was back then, wanting to sing about body positivity and loving yourself, there's a million other girls like that, and I stood out for nothing. Mm -hmm. So being told that story for two years constantly, you're not good enough, who you are is not enough, um, you're no different than anybody else, it gets to you. Of course. And I started doing music for all the wrong reasons. I started doing music because it was about my appearance. I started doing music because it was about my body, how much I could sell, how pretty did I look, um, and never about what was I saying and what message did I stand for. So as in all things, when you lose your sight and you lose the purpose of why you're doing it, it crashes and burns. And that's exactly what happened. So I got signed all at the same time. I got signed to a record label in Italy and I put out a single with them. And this single was basically the epitome of everything I told myself I would never be. I would never be somebody that's saying just to sell their body, like surrounded by men. Like that's not me. That's never been me, never was me, never will be me. And I lost my way basically. And because I knew that I lost my way, but I was stuck, I felt stuck, I fell back into my anorexia worse than ever before in my entire life. And this was in summer of 2019. So only over a year ago, like a year and a half ago. Wow. And this time around though, I was 23, 24 years old, completely on my own. I could do whatever I wanted. So there was nobody to like catch me when I was falling because I was in Italy by myself. And I got down to 92 pounds. I weighed the least I've ever weighed in my entire life. And I remember mornings where I couldn't get out of bed because I was dizzy from the moment I opened my eyes. I didn't have the energy to, to leave my house. And that's what the enemy does, you know, like he puts you in, in isolation. And I was so isolated because I couldn't leave my house. I had no energy to leave my house. And to be honest, I was afraid of leaving my house because I was afraid of passing out while I was driving. Like I just knew that I couldn't sustain myself. And just to clarify, at this point, you're living in Italy. So when the anorexia got developed again, I was in Italy. Right. Away from your parents. Away from away, my away, parents. Away from the nest. Oh, yeah. On your own. On my own. Completely wow. isolated. I moved back to Miami in August. Um, so I went from Los Angeles, Italy, back to Miami. I've been in Miami since August of 2019. So... I moved back to Miami and I was living on my parents' couch because I didn't know where I was going to go, what I was going to do with my life. Am I going to go back to Italy? Do I want to move to New York? Do I want to move to London? I had no path. And in those months of living on my mom's couch, 
the depression was so strong, it just all accumulated to me getting to the worst I had ever been to the point where I knew that I was dying. At one point, I was like, okay, this time I'm not making it out. And the truth is I was okay with that because I was so lost and purposeless and I hated everything that I was doing. That being said, my sister, who is a believer, thanks to you. And is also <laughs> my wonderful girlfriend. Correct. Hey, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, at that point, believe it or not, while I was in Miami, I was doing a lot of modeling. I was doing like a lot of things for my body, for the way I looked. I was getting paid for the way I looked. And my sister, and I was working a lot. So my sister sends me an IGTV video of um, Pastor Rich of Voo Church, which I had no idea was a church. And she sends me this Instagram TV video about like how we need to rest. How we need to rest. And um, I saw this video. I was like, oh, cool. Like I've always loved improvement, like self-improvement, listening to speakers and stuff like that. So it's like, okay, cool. Let's go. It's here in Miami. Yeah, why not? Let's go. So the three of us went. Yeah, on, I, I remember that. On November 10th, 2019. I didn't know that I was walking into church, like church, church. I thought I was just going to listen to an inspirational speaker, inspirational speaker who happened to like believe in God, you know, whatever. I was like, okay, cool. And God is so intentional in the way he orchestrates encounters with him and moments with him. So we walked in a little bit late. So we walked in when the worship team was already on stage. And in that moment, my freezing cold body, because obviously I was so skinny, I, I, I was always freezing, felt such an undeniable warmth just like wrap me. Wow. And as I was looking at the stage and the worship team, I literally, everything made sense. Everything made sense. I was like, okay, you are where you are right now because you lost sight of why you started singing in the first place. You lost sight of your purpose. You started getting, you started listening to the voices that told you you're not good enough and you stopped doing music for the right reason. That's why you're here today, where you are. And I felt God be like, but welcome home. I've been waiting for you. Let's start over. And so that day I gave my life to Jesus, November 10th, 2019. And there begins the 180 that you're talking about. You know, I, I, I understand what happened and I have a purpose again now and a much higher purpose than I ever had. Before it was all about like, oh, I want to talk about self-love. Now it's like, no, I want to point to the one mm. who saved my life mm. and to the one who will love you more than anything in the world and who does love you more than anything in the world and who will heal you and wow. complete you. That's my purpose now. Wow. And God saved my life. So there's... So, so, so okay. So, so you're saying that from a purpose perspective, you can see that there's been a difference in your life and you can see that you've changed, right? 100%. But what about on the daily routine, you know, versus how you were living a year and a half ago, two years ago versus now? So I would say the biggest difference is that a year and a half ago, two years ago, I was completely self-centered and my life depended on me, my food and my weight and how I looked. That's all that mattered. I didn't give, like, I didn't care at all about the people around me. And now my life is completely others centered. And that's make, that makes the biggest difference. Right now, my, my prayer every single day is like, okay, God, good morning. I love you. Thank you for waking me up today. How can I serve you today? Put people on my heart today. Who can I help today? And how can my life glorify you every single day? So I think the biggest difference is taking the eyes off of me and putting them on him and living 
for others. That's the biggest daily, daily difference. Wow. So you're telling me you go to VU Church and you walk out that door a completely different person. That is very correct. A supernatural encounter. A supernatural encounter. Obviously, like, God needed time to work on me. But the encounter I had that day, there's no going back. Wow. Because I, I've heard of people changing, and I've gotten to see that. But it seems like a lot of times it's like a working miracle where that person has to, I don't know, get a mentor and, like, see a psychologist. Right. And, you know, but it's really cool to see someone walk in and leave out a completely different That's person. what happened. I feel like, obviously, God had to work on my heart and I had to grow and get better, but there was an instant deliverance from the fear of eating. Wow. I walked out that day, like, ready to eat. Wow. So you're saying even your appetite changed? Yeah, completely. Wow. I walked out of there wanting to eat. Wow. Before, like, I knew that I was dying and I couldn't get myself to eat. I didn't care. I didn't want to. So I would say that the overall process of who I am today took this year and a half. God had to build me up again, you know, right. but the, the deliverance from anorexia and from the fear of eating, that was instant. Wow. Instant. And just to backtrack a little bit, because I don't know if your, your sister told you that, uh, we actually took a bike ride past the old house that you would uh, sing at when you were younger. Oh, really? Creepy looking house. Yeah. Creepy very, looking house. Definitely. It was a white house and like, it I was think, orange back in the day. Wow, really? Yeah. It looked like a haunted house. Yeah, yeah. And um, we, we were driving by and she was like, yeah, you know, this lady like really helped Lou out like a lot. And um, I think the bottom of the house, like it doesn't even, there's no bottom to the house, right? It's just like. It's like up. on a hill. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever feel like the seeds uh, were being planted? Like looking back, do you feel like the seeds were being planted for faith back then or just for positivity? I think for faith, because what's crazy is that I look back now. And you know what the first song I ever recorded was? What was it? Jesus Take the Wheel. Wow. By Carrie Underwood. Wow. That's the first song I ever, ever went into the studio and recorded. Obviously, it was a cover, but that's the first song I dove into. Jesus Take the Wheel. Wow. And so during that stage when you would be at her house, like, was, do you, did she, was she a believer? Mm-mm. She was rough. She was tough on me. She would be like... She would not give me grace, <laughs> no grace, but she would, the fact that she was so hard on me, um, give me tough skin because mm -hmm. this, this industry, you need tough skin. Of course. Everybody's going to, everybody's going to tell of you course. like, oh, you're not good enough, et cetera, et cetera. Of course. And so knowing what you know now, how has your perspective changed on like using your platform? It goes back to that self-centered versus other centered. Um, I think my platform before was all about like, Look what I did. Look mm -hmm. how I overcame this. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, I did not overcome it on my own now. So it's, it's, it's delicate the way to do it because obviously I want to share it in a way that everybody will listen. And sometimes if you just like throw Jesus into people's faces, you're going to close them off. Trust me, I know. You know? <laughs> Trust me, I know. You're going to close them off. So I think we lead by example. And I think the journey of my life stands as a testimony itself. So, so many girls deal with anorexia, body images, issues. Um, so what I would like to do now is I would use, my, I would like to use my platform to show the transition in my life. And then if you want to know how, I'll tell you how. And wow. his name is Jesus. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Do you see yourself doing anything beyond uh, the music? Or would you just like to focus on music at this point in your life? I mean 
music, but like I feel like I'm called to ministry. I would love to preach one day. Wow, I can definitely see you. Like, I would love to that. preach one day. Yeah, like traveling the world, evangelizing, That's, and worshiping, and worshiping. That's all I want. Yeah, kind of like if you can picture like a Brooke Lizardwood, Lizardwood, yeah. however you say her last name. I love her. Um, she is a worship leader, but she also preaches, and when she does, it's. I mean, she's incredible. Wow, I'm not familiar with her, but I'll definitely she's check from her Hillsong. Out. Okay. Oh, wait, is she the one with the uh, the accent? Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So every time she gives a message, well, it's long, but every time she gives a message, I mean, it impacts me so deeply. So, I mean, that's what I would like to do. I would like to worship all over the world and evangelize all over the world. So when's the tour? When's it happening? I mean, I'm asking God, you know? Right. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm very involved with my church right now, and we're about to put out an album, so I'm fully believing that they're going to go on tour and... I hope to be a part of it somehow. Of course. And so being in this season of, you know, just leaning in, listening to God, seeing what uh, he has in store for you, what is it like? I ask myself, how did I ever do this without you before? Mm. I feel like that's the foundational question when I look at the future now. It's like, God, how did I ever make any decisions without you? Because I have no idea what I'm doing. Literally, mm. I don't. I, none of us do, you know? Yeah. So... I look at the future and I feel excitement as opposed to fear when it comes to question marks because mm-hmm. I know that God is working everything out for my good and God wants me to share my testimony to the world. And I really believe that when you build a relationship with God in private and you steward that relationship with him mm. and you truly live in private for him, I have no doubts that he's going to go above and beyond when it comes to the world and glorifying mm. him because that is what it's all about, giving the glory back to him. Absolutely. I think you hit on something really, really important. Um, it kind of reminds me of the story of David. Mm-hmm. You know, David, I feel like, um, I think we've talked about this in the past, I, about how I truly believe that David was not the underdog. Oh, yeah, you told me this. Yeah, I believe that what David did in private, you know, killing lions, tigers, bears, you know, everything that he did to protect his sheep, I believe was training mm-hmm. for the big display when uh, Goliath said, hey, I'm going to defy the armies of the living God. And that day, David was ready because of what he did in private. And I think it's important that we cultivate that intimacy with God. Yeah, totally. Yeah, especially as a worship leader, you know, Um, because that's truly what you're doing. You know, you're going to be leading people into that intimacy. The presence of God, yeah. That's beautiful. And so tell me, what is it like... What has it been like with your friends, you know, the old friends that you had before you gave your life to to Christ and your relationship with them now? So, like I said, I feel like God kind of made it easy for me in that respect because I was completely isolated. So I had nobody left. There was nobody I had to cut out Mm. once I became a believer. And I see from people coming into our church that that's something they struggle with, like cutting ties with the past. And thankfully, I didn't have to go through that because I was completely isolated. However, there are the friends that have been there since the very beginning who maybe were not as close anymore, but who have somehow always kept an eye on me. And I think they're the ones who were asking me, well, who are asking me the most, like, what the heck happened? Like, who are you? Um, I remember recently, like a month ago, I was at one of my friend's birthdays and everybody was drinking and... Of course, I felt out of place. Um, I was like, this is not fun for me anymore. I don't want to be here. Um, I'm not even talking about you, God. Like, you know, all these questions started going on in my head. Like, what's my purpose here right now? There is none. (laughs) And funny enough, I walk out of that bar 
and there was a homeless man and he was like, my foot is hurting. My foot is hurting. So I go up to him and I was like, I don't have any cash on me, but I can pray for you. Mm. And the moment I said that he started crying so much like sobbing. And I remember my friends behind me being like, Luisa, have you lost your mind? Like, what are you doing? He's a homeless guy. Like, stop, just leave. And I remember just turning around and being like, give me a second. And so I prayed for him. And at the end of it, my friend actually came up to him and she gave him 30 bucks. Let's go. Yeah. Because she saw you. Because she saw me. Well, I think it's so important to find that sense of leadership amongst our friends, you know? Um, whether you're a high school student, whether you're a college student, like you, we said before, you don't necessarily have to say, hey. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, you know? <laughs> but I think you can show and display and those acts example. of kindness. Yeah. yeah. And lead by example. I can't tell you how many young people I come across, people our age and even younger and sometimes older, you know, who want to do better, but they're afraid of what it looks like. Great. You know, Great. They, they want to come to Christ, but what if I lose That's so good. this guy? Yep. Or this girl that I've been in a relationship with for, I don't know, six years, seven years. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt that mostly with like my, my life direction. Like, oh, if I step into this car, I'm going to lose completely the direction that I have been going in for so long. But the truth is, this new car is God's best for you. Mm. So it may be hard and it takes effort. You know, it's a partnership with God and it's going to suck to say bye to all these people that you think are your friends. Mm. But the truth is, um, whatever God has for you, his plan for you is a million, billion times better than what you could ever even imagine. And at the end of the day, he's going to use you to bring those people from the past to him yeah yeah that's really cool so Lou, um you probably know like i'm always reading you yes. know I'm, I'm always curious about you know what are other people thoughts like yeah because my thoughts are crazy so <laughs> i wonder you know what other people thoughts are like uh what are they jotting down on notes what have you been reading lately so i've been studying the book of ephesians at the moment and i also just started reading the Five Love Languages, which I feel like I'm Great super book. late, Great book. super late to this game. Um, just because life now to me is all about love. Mm. And the way I may express love to you or to my sister may not be the way that you receive it yeah. or the way that she receives it. So the reason why I'm reading it right now is because I want everything that I do to come out of love and I want to be intentional wow. in the way that I do wow. it. So if I know that you receive love, what's your love language? Um... Ale would say mine's is um, not quality time, but I actually believe <laughs> that mine's is quality time and uh, physical touch. Okay, so yeah. maybe spending time with you, yeah. um, talking about God or whatever, and that'll be like, like right now, like right now, yeah. like this. This is our quality time. So yeah. this is a way that I can show you love mm -hmm. to my circle and to the people, obviously, mm -hmm. that are close to me, that I can know their love languages. You yeah. know, to be intentional with that. Yeah. Um, but for, for the people listening who probably are not familiar with uh, the love languages, uh, could you just tell them like the different five? Right. So it's a book by, I think Gary Chapman is his name, Dr. I Gary Chapman. I think so. I think so. Um, yeah. And basically there's five love languages. Right? And just like we speak English or Italian or Spanish, like if I'm speaking to you in English, you will understand me because mm -hmm. you know this language. Right. So there's five different love languages and it's quality time acts of service, physical touch, words of affirmation, and gifts. Yes. So to give an example is, if I give you a gift, but it's not your love language, but it is mine, to me it's like, I'm showing you I love you. Mm -hmm. And you're like, cool, thanks. Mm -hmm. But this doesn't show me 
that you love me. That was one of the hardest things, honestly, with your sister, because um, that's definitely, you know, her one of her love. Oh, movies. yeah, it's good. You know, like, and, and for me, I was like, you know, you don't have to do all that. Like, you know, babe, like you don't have to impress me with your gifts. And for the longest time, like I kind of like, like stop, <laughs> you know, like I don't need another tablet. I don't need another notebook or, you know, like I, I don't need another book bag or whatever you're, you're giving me. Like, I don't need your things. I just need your time. You, I just yeah. need your time. Um, but reading that book, it gave me a different perspective, you know, giving me uh, reading that book made me realize that even when she's not with me, she's thinking of me. Mm. You know, even when I'm not in her presence, I'm on her mind. Great. You know, yeah. Um, her, her thoughts are for me. Right. And so it just gave me another perspective. And I think sometimes when you don't water someone's love bank. Yeah. And you think you are. You're, you're, you're in a, a role of trouble. You know? Yeah. And I think it's really important that um, whether you're in a relationship or whether you just want to love or show love to someone who may not be a num- uh, 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 who may not be a believer. Right. You know, I think that's a really cool way to evangelize as well. Yeah, showing it's intentionally people- showing love the way they receive it. Exactly. Exactly. How did you receive love before and how do you receive love now? To be honest, I look back and I had no idea what love meant before. So my answer would be completely wrong. It would be dependency. It would be control. It would be manipulation. Like you're mine, 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 mine. And that's it. Mm. Um, And that goes for my mom, my dad, my sister. It was just selfish, mine, possessive and controlling. Uh, Now I know that's not love whatsoever. Right, right, right. The love is the complete opposite. Love is freedom. Love is trusting. Yeah. Love is encouraging and Mm -hmm. supportive and... You know, if you need to do something for yourself, go do it. I support you fully. Mm-hmm. That That's love mm-hmm. and unconditional love. And it's just the gentleness and the kindness of God's love. That's what I want to emulate in everything I do, that that purity and the kind of love that is, you can tell me anything in the world and I will still love you. Mm. Not judgmental. Mm-hmm. So before I had no idea what love was. Right. Zero. Right. I think it's really cool to um, create a space for people where they don't feel judged. Yeah. Um, and more so even for ourselves, because I think sometimes like we look within that mirror and we judge ourselves, you know, yeah. or sometimes we, we scroll through the gram and we're like, why am I not like that? Right. Comparing. Comparing. Yeah. Comparing is a huge It's a thief thing. of joy. Say that a again. A thief of joy. Say it one more time. Comparison is a thief of joy. Wow. I've never heard that. I've never heard that. That's beautiful. Um, I can't tell you how many times we're like. You know, I'll be on Instagram and I'll see a guy. By the way, my squat is not the best. It's not where I want it to be. And I'll see a guy like hit like 500. I'm like, why am I not there yet? You know? Yeah. And um, sometimes I think we do that with our faith. So before we, we go into that, one thing I can say, having dealt with like body images, etc. Um, kind of look at it like this. Obviously, you always want to get better and you always want to improve. Like that's just foundational. But picture it that like when you're looking at yourself in the mirror, and you're picking yourself apart and you're judging yourself, just picture that you're standing in front of a painting and the artist is standing right next to it and you're judging the painting right in front of the artist. So God is the artist. And when you stand in the mirror and you're picking yourself apart, God's just like, bro, I made that. I made you that way. I gave you this body because this is the body you need for the purpose you're going to live. Wow. Why are you 200 pounds and I'm not, you know, like, because it's for your purpose. So God gave us the body that we need for the purpose that we have. And our job is only to steward it mm-hmm. and to love it. That's really important. Um, hopefully my guys did not tune out on that part because 
I can't tell you how many guys that I know, myself included, who struggle with body image. You know, who, who want the bigger, leaner, stronger body. And I think sometimes in our culture, we kind of label it as like a woman's problem. Mm -hmm. Oh, know? no, it's definitely not just a woman's problem. Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen the, the most macho of men like, bro, man, my arms look weak. Like, yeah. you know? <laughs> or like, how many times like have you gone out or my guys out there, how many times have you gone out? And you're like, man, look at that guy. Look yeah. at his back. You know, like, yeah. man, I need to hit the gym right now. <laughs> And as I was saying before, I think we do that sometimes with our faith. And as a, someone who was a new believer, um, how was it managing the expectations of trying not to compare, but just trying to grow in Christ in the beginning? How, what was that like? So I feel like God really gave me a hand in, in my transformation because we were in quarantine. Mm. So I had nothing to compare myself to. I don't know how people worshiped in church. I, I went to church like what, four times before quarantine hit? Yeah. Like, hello. You know, I, have, I had no idea. So I think my relationship with God was built literally upon just me and God, me and his word, me studying his word. I, I didn't really, I, I had started meeting people on the worship team that I could like ask questions to, but I didn't know what their relationship with God was. So I feel like my relationship with God was truly just me and him. And it was, what's our rhythm? And that's changing. That's changing now. And that's something cool and interesting that I'm getting into. It's just like my relationship with God is just like my relationship with any person, you know? It has its ebbs and flows and it changes and depending on the seasons. And I'm learning that right now because now life has like started to pick up again. Um, there's a lot more on my plate. And it's not just me, God, in the Bible every single day. So I would say, um, thankfully, I didn't have anything to compare myself to. But I would say that your relationship with God is completely particular only to you and him mm -hmm. because he knows you better than anybody else in the world. And he's the only person that you can go to with absolutely anything and all you will receive is love. Mm -hmm. So however you receive God's love, however he speaks to you, just continue pursuing that because literally the Bible says that the more we seek him, he's always going to be there. You know, yeah. draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. So right. I would just... Continue pursuing. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes in church, like that whole thing, like, oh, it's, this isn't a religion. This is a relationship. And I think we say that so much that some people can uh, turn deaf to that. You right. You know, like they feel like, oh, man, like they always say that. Right. But you hit something really important. You said that it's changing with the seasons. Right. And the Bible says that we go from, you know, glory to glory, that we go from, you know, a level to a new level. And just like in any relationship, um, where you start is not where you finish. Mm -hmm. And I feel like so many times um, in my life, personally, I, I've been, oh man, I want to get back to that place. Right. Or or how many times have you had an encounter with God and you're like, all right, it was at 9.04 yeah. p.m. <laughs> I was sitting in this car like, all right, let's God, do this let's again. Do it again. <laughs> right, right. I think, I think it just all goes back to the scripture in Revelation where it just says, not revelation mm -hmm. uh, where it says, just come back to your first love. Mm. It's that simple. God is your first love. Just keep coming back to him and expect him, mm. expect him. He's always going to show up. Mm. So I think you, you can go to that car at nine four PM or wherever you are, just expect him. Mm -hmm. Expectation is huge. I think one of the worst things that we can do as believers is, gather together and not have an expect expectation yeah you know one of the worst things you can do is 
uh, worship and like just go through the motions of it. Right. And I think sometimes based on, you know, the current stages of, you know, the economy, sometimes our expectations get lowered, you know, uh, based on the fact that we have to do uh, church through Zoom, our expectations right. get lowered. How do we stir those expectations? How do we keep our, our, our faith on the high? How, how do we do that? That's actually something that I've been, I've been thinking about. And I really think the answer is simple. God, light me on fire for you today, mm. right now. Mm. Every prayer that's according to his will, the answer is yes and amen. So if I say, God, light my heart up on fire for you right now, and I believe that he's going to do it through faith, mm. I can expect that to happen. So obviously the feeling is different being in church, worshiping with thousands of people as opposed to it just being you you and God, but you and Zoom actually. <laughs> but the foundation is me and God. Even when I'm in church with a ton of people, the foundation is me and God. So keeping that connection, the priority without getting confused by all the lights and the energy and the people, etc., making sure that you're not going to church because you want the feeling of all the people around you, but you're going to church because you want to encounter him. And so if you have that perspective, like just my goal is to encounter you, Lord, that's attainable wherever. And again, I think the answer is simple. Just ask for help. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that it's yes and amen. Mm-hmm. God will show up. So, so this is kind of flipping the pages here, but I feel like a, a lot of people that I know, um, we've had conversations of balancing faith with entertainment. Yeah. And how do you separate the two? Because at one point you want to uplift Jesus and you want to uplift God's people. And on the other hand, you also want to be the person to do that. And the, to be able to do that, you have to brand yourself and be available and so, like, what's the balance between entertainment and ministry? Between singing, like, for God and, like, also sounding good? You That's know what I mean? That's a great question. And I'm going to be completely transparent. I'm still figuring it out, the answer. Um, but I think, personally, like, my conviction is, where is my heart? Like, what's my heart posture? Am I doing this because I want to get recognized? Or am I doing this for God? And then everything else is just a cherry on top. The fact that you get recognition, that you have fame and that you get to travel, all of those things are blessings and gifts, but they cannot be the priority. The priority has to be glorifying God. So in my answer right now, the gifts giver. Yeah. Yeah, not falling in love with the gifts, but rather falling in love with the gift giver. So I think my answer to that question right now is that that balance and that safe place comes from where's where's your heart like what's the treasure is it really glorifying god or is it what you're gonna get Mm -hmm. from acting that way wow that's awesome so so the year is still kind of young you know (laughs) we just started 12 days in right 12 days and so far good yeah so far great actually good good where do you think um you'll be by the end of this year hmm so my word for this year is focus and when I say focus, it's focus on God, not anything else. Why? Because I feel like lots, I feel like 2020 was a year of foundation and grounding and building my relationship with God. And 2021 is going to be the year of blooming. Mm. And if I don't keep my heart, like I just said, if I don't keep my heart in the right place, like it has been for 2020, where it was just me and God, my heart is completely yours, God. 
if I don't keep that posture, God is a jealous God. And I truly believe that. If I don't keep him at the first in first place and I don't keep my eyes on him and if I'm not relying on him, abiding in, in him and everything that I do and that's coming this year, I'm not going to do it the right way. Mm. So I feel like by the end of this year, I'm going to have a lot of answered prayer requests. Good. I'm already receiving some of them now. Good. And Any that you care to share? Any that you can <laughs> share? Yeah. Um, you, don't have, you don't have to go into detail. There's, there's one that I'll say on a future podcast. Okay. Of God's faithfulness. Okay. We'll save that one for later. We'll then. save that one for later. Um, but for example, I just started my MBA. Let's go. Yeah. And it's... Um, it's a Catholic school, so the cool thing about it is that I can take theology classes. And like I said in the beginning of the podcast, I want to preach. Wow. So I want to I want to study God. I want to like truly dive in. Um, so that's one of them. Then, of course, like I said, Vu is doing their album, and I'm fully expecting them to go on tour at some point. And um, there's many musical opportunities that I'm starting to get back into contact with from people even from the past who are interested in what I'm doing now. So. There's a lot of things and a lot of things that I'm expectant for. So, but like I said, if I don't keep my eyes on God, I'm not going to be able to do it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, my grandma would all, all <laughs> my grandma would always tell me, you know, God giveth and He take away. Yeah. You know, God giveth and He take away. And sometimes she would uh, insert her name <laughs> as God. <you laughs> really? Know? Grandma giveth and she take, take away. It away. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, I think that's the beauty of God too, though. Yeah. You know, Again, he's a jealous God. Absolutely. We have to be in love with him more than his gifts. Absolutely. Sometimes I find myself, um, at least I did in the past. This is something that I'm proud to say that, you know, I'm slowly overcoming is the gifts. Yeah. You know, and, and more so the spiritual gifts, you know, like, oh, look what I can do. Look, look, I have this talent, you know, um, but more so like, no, this is just to reflect God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Holy Spirit gives gifts accordingly mm. it's not because robert deserves them or mm. louisa deserves them mm -hmm. he gives them because in this moment robert needs to help out this person mm -hmm. it's always about the other person even mm -hmm. with especially with the holy spirit and the gifts yeah. it's always about edifying others mm -hmm. so that that's that's interesting that you bring that up because it's been on my heart it's like god i want all the gifts i want everything like and you should <laughs> yeah i want everything but i have to want them because they're going to edify others because at the end of the day it's not about me it's about others. And the crazy thing is, I think why we get into that place is because the world works differently. Mm -hmm. the, the world tells you if you just work hard, yeah. everything will work out. And it's and it, completely the opposite in the Bible. It's crazy. It seems yeah. like if you just rest. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added on to you. What, Matthew 6.33? 6.33. Yeah. It's crazy. It's like, you know, it, it, the Bible is, describes it as a kingdom. And I think with us living in a democracy, like we don't, we don't truly have that concept of a yeah. kingdom, of a king. It's completely counterculture. Completely. Everything the Bible says, completely counterculture. And that's one thing that I really struggled with becoming a believer is like learning like, no, God first, everything else second. From this place and this relationship with God, everything else comes. And it's the total opposite for me because I've always been a go-getter, super hard worker, super disciplined, like really hard on myself. And it's the opposite. Mm -hmm. And it's just like even accepting that God loves me as I am right now. Yeah. Like you don't have to change. I don't have to, yeah, I don't have to earn his love. Mm. I don't have to work hard for his love. He already does. It's oh. like when Jesus, 
when he was baptized, like before he did any miracles, before he did anything, God's like, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Before, before. he did anything. Yeah. This before is my he laid son. Hands. Yeah. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. And I have to think about that, that like, Luisa, you are my daughter. I love you before you even do anything for me. I love you because you are my daughter. And it's just learning to trust that. It, it, it goes down to like struggling to trust that because it's counterculture. How is it that you love me without me doing anything for you? How is it that you love me like the crappy person that I can be sometimes, you know? How? Mm-hmm. It goes completely against everything that we know. And that's the beauty of it. And I actually am starting to find rest in accepting that I won't ever understand it until I get to see him. It's the mystery. Yeah. Paul talks about that. It's 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 all a mystery cuz you know if we if we knew all of it, we wouldn't need faith. Yeah, he's God. Like yeah, yeah, exactly. The cool thing is that we don't know all of it. I was listening to Francis Chan um to one of his books. I think it's Crazy Love where he goes um we're like a tiny little soda bottle, soda can in the ocean and it's just floating around in the ocean and everything that we can comprehend is whatever fits in that tiny little soda can. Wow. About God. Wow. What That's everything that fits in our brain. Yeah. That's everything that we can understand. It fits in that tiny little soda can in a, the giant ocean. What a perspective. What are the other things you're trying to fit in that tiny little soda can? Like what more do you want to understand about God in this season of your life? I want to just know his heart. I feel like one of my biggest struggles is receiving this love that I'm talking about. His love. And because it's, it's just so good. It's like too good to be true. But he is too good to be true, you know? Mm. So for me, it's, I want to know his heart more. His heart. I really want to know his heart. His heart for me. Um, everything that we just spoke about, how it's too good to be true. Um, how he's just so grand and so majestic. Like, I want to always be in awe of him. And I want to know his heart because I want to emulate that heart. I just want to know him more yeah. than anything. I just want to know him and be able to hear him to, like, to that point where it's just like, that person needs help. Okay, Holy Spirit, what do you, what do you need me to say? Boom. That's, mm. that's the kind of intimacy I want with him. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not about me, but it's about others. I want to have that, that intimacy where it's just like, or this person or that person like holy spirit i'm here in this room who can i help mm. i think that's so cool to be a willing vessel to be a willing vessel i just want to be used and i just want to know him that's awesome I, I think that's where true ministry begins because um it's cool to stand on a stage you know yeah. with thousands or sometimes millions of people and preach and uh you know true healing does happen there yeah but what about on our daily walk when we're at the yeah. grocery store? Yeah. Or we're at Denny's? Or... It's just fascinating to of me. Course. Like the Holy Spirit, his, his knowledge, like it's just, how can you not just sit here and be like, this is so cool. Like, mm. God, you are insanely amazing. I think it's important for us to continuously pray that God, like, help me to be ready. Right. Because God is always ready. He's always yeah. ready to, you know, and I think that's, get down to business. That's the thing about waiting, like. While we're waiting and it feels like nothing, nothing's happening, that's when God is doing the work that matters most to him. The work that matters most to him is that we be transformed to be like Jesus. And sometimes it's in those waiting moments where we feel like nothing's happening to us. But to him, the deepest work is being done. Oh, that's awesome. Um, as, as we're coming to a close, I want to know if you could, 
I guess pouring to you know a young girl who might uh, be struggling with the things that you have struggled with. What would you say to her? What would you say to a younger you? Matter of fact, I would tell a younger Luisa, it's never gonna be easy, ever. Because even though I'm healed, I still deal with things now. But the battle is completely worth it because life weighing a few extra pounds more compared to the life wherein you had a perfect body, quote unquote, that wasn't living. I would just say, choose life, choose life, choose life, choose life because it's worth it and it's beautiful. And two pounds are only in your brain or 20 pounds, whatever it may be. For me, it was 25 pounds um, that I had to gain back. And I'm so grateful that I gained them because I chose life. Mm-hmm. And every day I choose life. Mm-hmm. And there, there's also the other extreme um, where, you know, people may feel like, man, like, instead of taking away, like, I want to eat more or like they're, they're binging. Like, oh, I've been there too. You've been there too. Yeah, of course. Wow. And what, what was the thought process like in that moment? Well, when I used to binge? Yeah. Oh, I was just feeling a, a gap with mm. food. I would eat to the point where I couldn't move for how full I felt. Because I was trying to fill an, an inner void, inner void with food, and I would numb myself with food. The truth is, the only answer is God. He is the only one that can heal that wound, that deep seated wound that makes you do these things to your body. I mean, it doesn't make sense. And the only thing that can fix it and come into that and heal it and fill it and even overflow with love is God. That's awesome, though. That's awesome. Um, I got to ask you our final question. Go. And uh, I wrote this down because I wanted to get it right. If there was a movie produced about your life, what would you want the audience to take away from it? There is a healer and his name is Jesus. Period. Anything is possible with Jesus. Just like Brooke said, we are ordinary people with an extraordinary friend. And that's the only way that we thrive. That's awesome. Thanks for coming on the show, Lou. I love you. Love you, Bubba. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. It was an absolute pleasure to interview Louisa. I hope you guys learned. I hope you guys took away some things that you can apply into your daily lives. If so, I want to know about it. Reach out to me on all my social media platforms. You can find me at it's Robert Burns underscore. Again, I repeat, at it's Robert Burns underscore. I can't wait to hear your stories. And hopefully one day you guys will feel bold enough to tell me your own. And you can come on this show, on this podcast, and let the world know about it. Let the world know how God has impacted you and what God is doing in your lives. Be blessed, friends.